As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I think! And time, and time again. Break up the music. Charge a glass. This nation is going to dance all night. Chanting the name of a sporting director, Martin Tyler going full pro Evo for seemingly no reason whatsoever, Mike Dean playing it dead straight in Ted Lasso, an epic, epic slice of Keys and Grey, the latest entry into the Freak Injuries Pantheon, and some frankly incredible scenes at the 2021 Meat Management Industry Awards. Brought to your ears by The Athletic, this is Football Clichés. Right now you can subscribe to The Athletic for just £3.49 a month. That's 30% off the full price of the subscription. You'll enjoy great analysis and in-depth features from the very best football writers around, as well as ad-free versions of all of our podcasts. So go to theathletic.com forward slash cliches pod to take advantage of this special discount. That's theathletic.com forward slash cliches pod. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 94 of the Football Cliches podcast. I'm Adam Hurry and with me, first of all, he's back after so long. It's Charlie Eccleshare. Hello. Hi Adam, how you doing? I, I'm all right. I would, have, I, would have, I would have planned so many warm words for your return after so many weeks away, but I will in fact leave it to Peter Drury instead. Restored to this great gallery of the game, a walking work of art. Vintage, beyond valuation, beyond forgery or imitation. 18 years since that trembling teenager of touch and tease first tiptoed onto this storied stage. Now in his immaculate maturity, CR7 reunited. Heartwarming couldn't, stuff. Couldn't, couldn't have said it better myself. Yeah, so many parallels. My uh, my couple of weeks on holiday and Ronaldo's long exodus. But yeah, either way, lovely to hear that, and it's great to be back. Yeah, um, really did your return justice. Alongside you, the equally valuable Nick Miller. How are you? 
I'm all right. De- delighted to be deemed uh, equally valuable. That's that's, a, that's put a real pep in my step. <laughs> yeah, that that is quite the praise. Straight away with a question here, uh, Nottingham Forest fan Nick Miller: Are you rooted to the bottom of the Champo? One point from was it six seven games? I think that's the uh, you know only a, I can't remember how many goals scored, but not not many. Five, I can confirm. Well, there you go. Uh, and lost all the other games apart from one draw. Yeah, I think that's firmly rooted. I think, isn't it? I was, I was going to ask if it was firmly rooted. I wasn't sure if you're allowed to be firmly rooted yet. You also didn't pick up on the fact that I said Champo for the first time in my entire life. That's what I wrote on the running order and I just said it. Is it okay to call it the Champo? I feel like it's it's, it's not... It's worse than the Prem, which I actually quite like because players call it the Prem, Nick. Yeah. So that's all right. I, I think... Well, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I do regularly call it the Champo and then sort of very, for a very small amount of time afterwards hate myself for it. So... I think it's probably fine, but um, not ideal. What do you think about the Prem, Charlie? I think Prem is actually better than Champo. Champo sounds weirdly colloquial, whereas the Prem, the the Prem, I think, is a bit more acceptable. Okay, I agree. Do you know what I did on on, uh, Saturday? I couldn't believe it. I, I said Premiership. I don't know what happened to me. I, it was like I'd sort of had every like middle-aged man I've ever spoken to just inhabit my body. And it, instantly, I was like, what What have I said there? It was a really, um, it's quite an alarming moment. It is incredible how how deeply Premiership has been, become embedded in people's brains, given that it was only actually called Premiership for, what, about six years or something like that? I don't think anything has ever stuck as much as Premiership beyond the time at which it was actually called that. It's amazing. People who, who follow the Premier League quite closely still insist on calling it the Premiership. You're absolutely right. I was having this exact conversation while watching an 11th tier football game this weekend. And my only theory was, was that Premier League football really hit the mainstream around about the turn of the millennium in terms of a kind of mass consumed product. So the name Premiership must have stuck with people who went on to not really pay much attention to it. So MPs and things like that, calling it Premiership. Um, yeah, I think I think that is it. I think it, it, it does. It captures a moment in time where so many people, that was their entry point. Yeah, maybe. More pressing concerns for the adjudication panel today, I can assure you. We have so much to get through, and it is pure, pure gold. I want to start with you, though, Charlie Eccleshare, at Selhurst Park on Saturday. You tweeted, Fabio Paratici arrives and gives the Tottenham fans a wink as they sing his name. What the fuck? Why were they singing his name? Well, this what the is hell is quite... going on. I thought you would. I thought this was a big joke. I thought you would just. Be no, 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 no. This this caused a lot of um, curiosity as to what the chant was. But I think this speaks to the growth of football transfer supremos as becoming these. Uh, huge deals. I was talking to a former colleague of mine who covers Arsenal and he said a couple of years ago Raul Sanyehi stepped off the coach or whatever it was oh, after that transfer window of 2019 where they'd signed a bunch of players and was mobbed by you know the oh. fans were singing his name yeah. as if as if he was this huge star. Paratici in kind of Spurs fandom world was such a big talking point over the summer because yeah, of you know enough. there were lots of transfers and things like this. Mm. But yeah to people asking and I think I did answer this on Twitter it was a, just a kind of dull thudding Fabio Fabio, oh. where some there were some good suggestions over a kind of properly thought out a Paratici song, but it wasn't quite that. Maybe that will happen depending on how the January transfer window goes. I don't think he deserved a you know groupthink chant being no. created in his name, Nick. I mean, feel free to abstain on this question, Charlie. Mm. But Nick, are we okay with fans singing the name of a newly hired managing director of football? <laughs> I don't it's, think so. It was I mean, very games gone, where, even though it was just his name being repeated. Where, where do you think this this ranks in the games gone scale? With well, was it outside Juventus a couple of years ago when uh, fans were singing Mina Raiola's name? I think it was I'd after put it below that. Yeah, I'd, I'd, but I'd put, I would put it above physios wearing predators. <laughs> so it's somewhere in there. Yeah, 
Yeah. So yeah. it's not the game has gone more when Mino Raiola has been chanted. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I, would I think so. Because so. there's no affiliation there. Yeah. I mean, even allowing for your favourite player. So, but okay, I, bit concerned, but I'm I, glad you addressed it. I think it does speak though to this growing kind of obsession with not just transfers, but also like how transfers happen, and you know now the general level of awareness that fan has about you know, the recruitment structure at a club, you know, it will genuinely be like a really, like people will get really furious about how, you know, we, you know, we don't have, we don't have a director of football and all of this sort of thing in a way that I just don't think it existed or people didn't care as much or weren't aware of it as much 10, 20 years ago. Mm, I completely agree. Are we um, saying that the, the, there are, that have simply been too many how the deal happened pieces written about it so <laughs> it's all it's it's bled into the mainstream yeah, we, and now the game is yeah, eating we, the hand that feeds us yeah, straight only, away more of that later actually to blame. Yeah, yeah as yeah. someone who wrote 3,000 words on the Fabio Paratici story earlier I, I, I do have blood on my hands as they were singing Fabio Fabio this is from um, Leeds versus Liverpool on Sunday afternoon Nick Martin Tyler presumably has lost the rights to say <laughs> Liverpool <laughs> Salah's beaten him in terms of games by 13. Some express speed. They say a couple of them for Chelsea. And all the others for the Merseyside Reds. Customary awkward silence after he says it. Nobody's speaking for about 10 seconds. Nick, my my, my first question to you is, um, I can't think of a reason why it would be necessary to say that it's not even a second mention situation you would perhaps say the Anfield club or something like that but under what circumstances is Merseyside Reds either necessary or acceptable well I, yeah I wonder whether this is a sort of like a, a very subtle classy touch historically of course although uh, we're informed by uh, producer Dave that not anymore Tyler was the voice of FIFA whereas Merseyside Reds is a pro evolution soccer thing so maybe this is a Little nod, or as now he's clearly been ousted from the FIFA gig. Maybe it was a maybe it's that. Maybe it's his beef. Maybe we've uncovered some beef here. A cryptic lens. It can't be a coincidence, can it, Charlie? But he's very deliberate thing to say. He's done this before. It's been pointed out. He's either a Merseyside Reds or one another. I mean, United for a while were called the Trad Bricks on Pro Evo. I don't don't think he's gone there. If he does, then we know he's up something. Yeah, but like to answer your question, like. The only way, with Tyler, he's really into his alliteration at the moment, it seems like, more than anything, and sort of puns. So if he was saying, you know, it's mesmerising for the Merseyside Reds or something, then, you know, even then it's a massive reach. We'd be like, okay, he just, he really wants the alliteration. There, as you said, it is it is genuinely quite baffling, unless he did just feel he was saying the word Liverpool too much and wanted to vary it. But yeah, I mean, go, go Anfield outfit. Um, as always we will never know but if he does it again I'm going to be right on top of it Uh, moving on listener Jonathan Wilson writes in always a good message that starts with these following words I know you love player ratings well going through old newspapers and in 1964-65 and quite probably other seasons as well the Sun ranked every player in a game from 1 to 22 Charlie and now I think about it that's probably not a terrible way of doing it is it? Wait, so how, oh, is in the, the, like the best performing player to the worst? Yeah, yeah, that is cool. quite a good idea. Yeah, yeah, quite like that. I'd never heard of that before. Mm. Uh, Nick, thumbs up from you. Yeah, definitely. That's that's certainly more arbitrary than um, than you know marks out of ten, which you know as we all, all know are pretty silly. 
By the way, assuming this is Jonathan Wilson, the the football writer. Oh, very much so. Yeah. yeah. Who else? Him. Right. Yeah. Well, him. Yeah. Him messaging you saying I was going through newspaper reports from 1964 <laughs> is one of the most Wilson things that is possible to say. Yeah. Slightly disappointed that they were Eng- apparently English newspaper reports rather than you know Hungarian or something. But otherwise, yeah, that you know. was a blow. But it did evolve. The chat evolved from there, Charlie, because he he, also, he adds that the mail that season gave each team a fair play rating, expressed as the percentage of outfielders on each team that they felt were playing the game fairly. What a ridiculous what? system that is! <laughs> so to give you an example, tongue slightly in cheek from Wilson here, he says the notorious Everton nil Leeds one from seventh of November nineteen sixty four. Scored a record low. Everton twenty percent, Leeds twenty five. How can you even express it as a percent? So is that to try and remove outliers? So if there's just one bad apple in the team, it doesn't affect you too much. Uh, like but it's not I don't know dragging you, everyone down. They seem to not include the goalkeepers, Nick, for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> they can't have bad sportsmanship. I guess so. <laughs> but yeah. isn't this like this stuff is kind of? It's not a million miles away from where football media is now. Like I can imagine, you know here we rank everyone's performances from 1 to 22 like that feels quite now in some ways I, I don't I don't always want to make it two football journalists um, unite on this podcast Nick but getting the player ratings gig for a match is generally regarded as being a fairly decent easy afternoon but if you were asked to rank each player out from <laughs> 1 to 22 that suddenly becomes something of a chore doesn't it yes and no I mean every it is uh, in the Journalist, it's one of those things that everyone moans about, but it is kind of objectively much easier because you. The other thing is you 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 write those and you uh, send them in by like the 75, 75th minute or something like that. So you know, theoretically, you're done by that point. But yeah, ranking ranking will up your workload a little bit more. Yeah, anything could happen to completely switch the order around. That must be so annoying. Someone scores a hat trick in the last five minutes. Uh, so it's all going to go to pot. But um, fascinating stuff from the 60s. Um, bring all those back, definitely. Moving on, Mark Cosby, Charlie, writes in with an irritation. He says, um, quoting a player's age in years and days to demonstrate that they are or are close to being the youngest or oldest to achieve a particular milestone. We talked about this on the podcast before. Mm, it's, mm-hmm. it's an awkward way of expressing it, but I, I kind of understand that there's no way out. Um, but he gives a couple of um, pertinent weekend examples. First of all, Cristiano Ronaldo, 36 years, 218 days, is the oldest player to score a brace in a Premier League match since Graham Alexander for Burnley against Hull in April 2010. Don't need the days. I don't think you need the days. But, you know, a reasonably solid stat to you, so I kind of understand why. But he gives a following example. Trent Alexander-Arnold recorded his 35th Premier League assist today, aged 22 years and 340 days. In the competition's history, only Cesc Fabregas, Wayne Rooney and Ryan Giggs have reached this total at a younger age. 35th assist! (laughs) Um, This this seems to me like the classic example, a genuine literal example of a record that a player didn't know about before the game until one of the lads mentioned it in the dressing room before kickoff. Yeah, wasn't there that one last season? Again related to Fabregas, I think it was, I can't remember who it was, maybe Smith Rowe or someone had created the most chances in a Premier League North London derby under the age of 21 or something <laughs> since right. Cesc Fabregas in 2007. Brilliant. Brilliant. But yeah, I mean, the days thing, I guess if you're if another player in that was also 22 years, then it's a way of showing that slight difference. I also, I always think with these, they start with, the Trent one's interesting because it's different, but I always think you start with the 16 years, 42 days, like really impactful, and then dash, so-and-so becomes the youngest player to have done this Do you know what? since. Niche, niche complaint for me, but I don't like it when it's double figures in days. I always want it to be like triple figures. 
it right, just, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. gets you thinking oh what was he doing like a month earlier celebrating his birthday must be weird uh, but Nick I mean we are in a bit of a quandary here because I mean I understand that these things need to be separated you know the hierarchy needs to be established but um, there's no elegant way of, of stating someone's age beyond their years no, I mean, presumably the Daily Mail in the 1960s would give it as a percentage. Like he is, <laughs> he's 36 and 67% or something like that. That would be good. That yeah. would be quite cool way of doing it. Um, let it catch on. I bet they did it in the 60s. Yes, absolutely right. Uh, but yeah, uh, Mark Cosby, we agree with you. It is all a nonsense, especially when attached to meandering stats. Popular culture here now, Charlie. We're all based opinion dividing ex-ballroom dancing ace Mike Dean. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> has appeared in season two of Ted Lasso, which I still haven't watched. No, not me. And I feel I may have unfairly maligned in the past. Everyone who, everyone who watches it says it's really good. Um, would you like to hear his input? Oh, it's a speaking Please. role. Oh, it's a speaking role. Oh, my God. Sure. Right, okay. You may be underwhelmed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Keep the shit out of your eyes, you ridiculous wonder. Oh, no. Never mess with Mike Dean. Can't say that, mate. I'm sorry. There you go. Sorry about that, Mike. We all know you have a penis. I've been called worse. Pretty watered down, Charlie. Mm. Sorry, disappointed by that. Yeah, if you're going to get Mike Dean on, I mean, you could have got anyone. Could have got anyone with that. We we actually was going to message you. We yesterday at Sunday League, we had the sort of Mike Dean of the Marshes. He's a kind of similar character, um, very quite performative in how he operates. So I was thinking about Mike Dean yesterday, but yeah, that does seem. Um, yeah, a bit of a, a bit of a waste of such a richly talented and versatile, as we know from his dancing uh, yeah. performer. Nick, do you think um, PGMOL had a word here? Let's say we we don't want him presented as some sort of caricature. <laughs> we'll play it straight. Maybe that's why he. I mean, that he seemed sort of surprisingly wooden. I would have thought yeah. that that Dean, even though with those kind of relatively few lines he given, would really ham it up a little bit. But <laughs> but no, maybe maybe he's been got at. Yeah, yeah, disappointing. Uh, we, we need to see Mike Dean let off the leash in future episodes, please. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Perhaps the centrepiece of this episode, but who knows, because it's going to continue to get better, Charlie. This is pretty much just for you to herald your return. This is a bumper serving of Keys and Grey from the weekend. Just to introduce this, they're ploughing a well-trodden furrow <laughs> here. A debate that presumably passed its sell-by date about a, um, a year ago, but um, that doesn't matter to Keys and Grey. Um, on the subject of Bielsa being a genius, uh, obviously the, the coach of the year last year or... Runner well, up. No, you're if I coach yeah. of the year. I'm sure he was. On what basis? No idea. No basis <laughs> for me. I'm sorry. Taking leads to ninth, right, does not elevate you into coach, runner up, and coach of the year in European football. Tell me this. Where did Chris Wilder finish with Sheffield United? Well, uh, ninth. Uh, yeah. Ninth. 
Why was he not even quoted? Why? That's a bigger job taking Sheffield United to ninth than it is taking Leeds to ninth. Right? So, I think that he comes with this aura. He comes with this reputation. Great coaches, Keezy, in my opinion, don't, don't, doesn't equate to being a great manager and winning titles. No, no, no hold on. Right? We're not talking great. The word that he's bandied about <laughs> very loosely, as I said, yeah. is genius. Mm -hmm. What qualifies him know. to be called a genius coach? I don't coach? know. I don't know. Um, I really don't because uh, all I've seen about of Bielsa is what he's done in England. Yes, great job getting leads up, but other people have done that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they play slightly differently. They want to go man yeah. for man where yeah. they can. Well, yeah. I remember Steve Koppel taking a Reading team to Manchester United go man twenty man. years yeah, ago was, yeah. we and there. trying that. He didn't go down as a genius. <laughs> no, no, no. Listen, the, the guy has a career, and he's he's won. He, he, did he win the Olympics or something like that with with, with, yeah. with Argentina? Yeah. Right, two thousand four. Now that's seventeen years ago. 17 years ago, you know, he's won bits and pieces. Has he won big stuff in Europe? Mm, don't think so. <laughs> Championship in England? That's it. This season, I think, we'll find more about Marcello Bielsa this season than I think we've I ever done. Because it's a season now where there are no surprises from Leeds. We all know how they play. Everybody in the Premier League knows exactly how they play. They were a bit of a surprise packet last year, but they've started not great. I mean, there's so much, there's so much to unpack. <laughs> I wanted to play the whole thing. And even then, that's an edited down <laughs> version of the entire two minute 40 clip. Because it covers, it ticks every box of the Bielsa debate. Well, and also card. the, just the general, you think this is a new idea? Steve Koppel was doing it 20 years ago. <laughs> that's what's always, I did not see it coming. That's the best bit. No, nothing could ever be new because it's pressing, pressing. We were doing that in, uh, in 1970. Yeah, oh, he's so good. If he'd said Sam Allardyce, if he'd said Harry Redknapp, that would have been too predictable. He's thrown in, mm. he's thrown in Koppel. It's very impressive. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I was thinking with like the full bingo, he'd get in about Brucey, his mate Steve <laughs> Bruce, and like you know why is why is Brucey getting a hard time? <laughs> this is perhaps my my three favourite moments of it. The first of all was the the classic interchange at the start where Keys asks a question and Grace just goes nope, nope, yeah. no idea, don't know, get it. Don't know. On what basis? No idea. The second one was. Um, the Olympics or something. Yeah. <laughs> so, so dismissive. Did he win the Olympics or something like that with, 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 yeah. with Argentina? And bordering on celebrating the fact that he doesn't know, but just, does, yeah, just doesn't yeah, yeah. care. And then finally, the most saving the most insular bit to last is, we'll find out more this season about Bielsa than we've ever done. <laughs> ever. <laughs> ever. We'll find more about Marcello Bielsa this season than I think we've I ever done. His entire career. It's just sensational. I, I, I thought this debate was dead. I didn't think this was much of a talking point anymore, but it, it just, everything was there. And I'm so happy we, we got to listen to it. Everything was perfect. I have no view on it myself whatsoever, Nick. But I'm delighted I got to hear about it. And another highlight was um, when running down a list of things is one were bits and pieces in Europe. What does that mean? <laughs> bits and pieces. Also, yeah, I mean, that, that preoccupation was silverware as well. But like, yeah, this start, it is a mate because he'll, he does position. Marso, Marcelo Bielsa, we're told, is a genius. The way he kind of presents. <laughs> bandied these, about. Yeah, bandied about. He's a genius, apparently. <laughs> also, I guess they've been waiting for this moment to punch him because 
Leeds haven't started the season so brilliantly. So it's kind of been percolating there, I guess. And they're like, right, now we now we can go, go, go on the Bielsa. As always, with Keys and Gray, I feel like we are slightly punching down um, intellectually. So uh, I think in the interest of fairness, it's time to bite the hand that feeds properly. Uh, this is from this is from last week on the um, on our flagship uh, football podcast, the Athletic Football Podcast. Um, host Dan Bardell doing some self-policing when it comes to football cliches. I really enjoyed this. The Premier League is back, but obviously there's been a fair bit of international football over the last 10 days or so. England fall to a late draw. Can you? I mean, can you even fall to a late draw? But I guess the the game was was going to be one stoppage time. Nick, um, um, let's address the issue. Can, can you fall to a late draw? No, I, I mean the circumstances lend itself very much to it. I'm not sure you can fall to a draw. You can't really slump to a draw, can you? No, I don't think so. I mean, this is just we're just this is an indication of how we're influencing the game. You, you, Adam, are influencing the game. You, <laughs> yeah, you know, that's it. That's how I see it. <laughs> um, people are just kind of with the the, the looming spectre of the football po- cliches podcast in their head, wherever they wherever they go, whatever they say. It's incredible. It's incredible. But I mean, Charlie, it's it's, it's fine for us to sit here and point and laugh at, um, at people misusing the language of football. But what should he have said? I mean, what did happen to England? Were they pegged back? I don't think you could be. Is it pegged back? Yeah, I mean, they guess they were pegged back, but stunned. I guess when stunned. he went with full, he was already in with the full, like thinking, you know, full, we fell to a late defeat or whatever. Mm. Full to late. I think you can, or late. You can can you collapse? I know that wasn't a collapse. If no. if you'd gone from two 0 can you collapse to a late draw? No. They slumped to a late draw. It's not quite right. Can you slip? Um, slip to slip, a late draw? You, I don't know if you can slip to a... No, I don't think you can. You can't slip to a draw. Mm. No. I, I mean, you'd ha- you just have to really rearrange the whole sentence. Yeah, it's like yeah. something like, yeah, they threw away, um, you know... A Drop two points. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, my sympathies, but we were never <laughs> going to let it lie. And uh, <laughs> But I'm, I'm happy, very happy to see that he picked himself up on it. Fantastic stuff. Um, moving on, this is from Greg O'Keefe's great piece at the weekend, Charlie, about managers who sign the same player over and over and over again. One example being Neil Warnock and Paddy Kenny. And this is a fan- fantastic little anecdote from Kenny himself during his time at Sheffield United. He says, but I remember the goalkeeping coach said I just needed one to hit me on the arse and go wide and I wouldn't look back. <laughs> sure enough, the next game their striker goes through on goal, one on one with me and somehow I save his shot. I think it was with my ass actually. That was that. My form came back. Two things here. <laughs> Never heard of a goalkeeper being advised no. that just one needs to go off his ass and wide. And secondly, it works, so it's fine. Maybe they maybe they own it. I actually I was thinking about that going in off your ass and things turning around re- in relation to my watch. Now this sounds <laughs> bizarre. My watch just basically was like losing time, stopped working. I was like, I need to do something about it. And then all of a sudden, it's just started working again. And I was thinking it is almost like that thing of like, it just needed to get through a night, just one to go in off its ass, and now I it's functioning. I just thought you, you meant you rubbed it on your ass. No, 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 no. That would have been really weird. <laughs> really but, weird. But um, it just got me thinking about, I was like, how has it suddenly turned its form around? I mean, it was broken, but yeah, it just needed, just exactly needed one to go in off its ass. And... Exactly the same phenomenon. Nick, simple question, really. Are you, are you happier with the idea of goalkeepers needing one to go off their ass rather than strikers? I, I, it's kind of in my head that a goalkeeper would make a save with their ass or uh, something like that more often than a striker would score a goal with his ass. I mean, it's it, it's pretty good. Quite that a useful place, quite a useful way to save a shot. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it is... Uh, it's, Especially if you're Paddy Kenny. <laughs> it is. It's understandable, but it is quite good how the, the the arse has been deemed the ultimate body part for the inadvertent the inadvertent act of any description. Do you think they? Do you think that, that sort of midfield coaches say that he just needs to 
you know, play a good pass off his ass or break up play I, with his I, ass I or something like that. I don't know. I remember that, Nick. I think I tweeted something to that effect because there were ridiculous stories going around that Urza was on an assist draft, <laughs> which I'd never heard before. And I remember saying something like, he just needs to get an assist off his ass. Oh, that would have si- been very clever. Similarly, yeah. Claudio Bravo, I think I said something similar, went, do you remember? He went on the only ever save drought um, <laughs> I've ever heard of before or since. He went something like six games and he, mm. he couldn't make a save. And he, and he like any, he did just need one to go wide off his arse. I mean, after amid all the rubble of this, um, not a huge, hugely great advert for the goalkeeping coach, I have to say. Um, <laughs> just need one to go off your arse, you'll be fine, it's fine. Um, but maybe that's how Warnock Sheffield United operated, I don't know. Classic cliche territory next, Nick Miller. Freak injury news from the Netherlands. Here in Vanes, Swedish left-back Rami Kaib faces a spell on the sidelines after suffering which of these freak injuries? Um, Nick, you're allowed the first guess. Is it A, broke his jaw while eating a carrot, B, tore ankle ligaments while walking in some clogs for a club photo shoot, or C, dropped the man of the match award on his toe and fractured it? I, I, I don't know whether I'm being kind of, there's some kind of double bluff going on here because I can't believe that you would make up the clog thing because it just seems so obvious. Uh, okay, he dropped the man of the match award on his, on his toe. You're going for C, Drop the man of the match award on his toe. Charlie, that leaves you with A, broke his jaw while eating a carrot, or B, tore ankle ligaments while walking in some clogs for a club photo shoot. I'll go B. You're going for B. Well, you're both wrong because it was ah. A, broke his jaw while eating a carrot, <laughs> in capital letters in the uh, in the headline. I, I mean, I mean, in, in, the, in the realm... In the, the pantheon, pantheon of freak injuries, Charlie. That's smack bang in the middle. That's perfect, isn't it? Eating, breaking your jaw while eating a carrot. That, yeah, that's pretty good. I do sometimes think of if I pick up a bottle. I know it was salad cream, wasn't it, that did for Dave Besson? But sometimes I will pick up a bottle of something like salad dressing. If you're still buying glass <sighs> bottles of salad cream, more yeah. fool you. That, I mean, that would, it's squeezy all the way. You can't be buying... Yeah, I mean, buying a bottle of salad cream now. But if I've got a bottle of you know, salad dressing, I mean, I do think... I think of Dave Besson. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Before I before splashing on some aftershave before I go out, I just think, <laughs> mate, could I control this? Yeah. With my if I dropped yeah. it, probably yeah. not. Probably not. Nick, you may enjoy this. Is I, I don't actually know who this quote is from. I assume it's some sort of club insider. Kaib got a big knock on his jaw during a game a while ago. He just continued training and, of course, eating. Well, he ate a carrot, and that carrot was quite hard. And then uh. crack, broken jaw, a carrot. Oh. Sensational delivery of the information. Then. That's just. Yeah. <laughs> breaking, breaking your jaw, breaking your jaw. I could, so I, in my head, I was thinking, well, maybe it actually meant dislocating the jaw in case it was a particularly large carrot, and it, you know, it took a bit of a. But breaking your jaw, and I can't, oh my god, oh poor yeah. guy. Well, I mean, we wish him well. Yeah, I think I think we all agree we wish him well, don't we, guys? Yeah, and his everyone here at the Football Cliches podcast will just like send our best yeah. wishes, thoughts and prayers, mm-hmm. thoughts and prayers. That to, does sound uh, horrible. To Rami Kaib. Um, hope he makes a swift recovery from that one. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Champions League um, action this week, Nick. Looking ahead to uh, Tuesday night's fixtures. A quick fire one here. Uh, you'll take the first fixture. I want to. T- I want you to tell me which season pops into your head instantly when you hear <laughs> this matchup. That's all I want. You can offer some brief logic if you like, but that's all I want. Nick, Barcelona by Munich. Oh, I don't know. I'm going to say sort of 2001. I'm thinking Giovanni Albert. I'm thinking Patrick Clover for Barcelona. Fine with me. Uh, Charlie, you get Dinamo Kiev and Benfica. I'm thinking 60s. Oh, wow, you're going that far back. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it feels <sighs> like it could be an epic. It could be like a Wilsonian 5,000 word long read on Kiev's. <laughs> epic two-legged tie with Benfica in 1967 the problem for me is Kiev I can't see beyond 98-99 they're just so that um, Shevchenko Rebrov team for me so I know Benfica maybe wouldn't have been around so much then but that's what I can get get and I can't get that out of my head I'm afraid slightly regretting this segment already but (laughs) let's carry on Uh, Nick you get young boys versus Manchester United more recent perhaps no, uh, no, that's that's like early stages, two thousand, sort of nineteen ninety three to me. Oh, kind of. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Possibly, it, it wasn't the game where Peter Schmeichel scored in, but it's it sounds like the, a game that Peter Schmeichel scored in. Yep, sounds good. I like that. Charlie, you get Lille versus Wolfsburg. Oh, that's a, that's like late noughties, I would say. Yeah, it does sound a bit like the quarterfinal you don't watch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What was that era? Who did they have? Graffiti, wasn't he one of their? Yeah. Uh, that, and that great Ed Dzeko, of course. And Edin Dzeko, yeah. yeah. Quite right, uh, Nick. You can have. Chelsea versus Zenit St. Petersburg to finish. 2007, I think. For some reason, the, the, the Chelsea player that pops into my head there is Alex, the um, the Brazilian mm, centre-back. Interesting, yeah. Yes. Thunderous free-kick-taking, mm. dome-headed Brazilian Alex. <laughs> um, and to round this off, a segment we will never do again, Charlie Ecochet, you get Malmo versus Juventus. Oh, wow. I mean, that does feel more retro. We're, we're going back some there, aren't we, to when Malmo were a proper force. Not sure exactly when that was. Sometime in the distant past. Okay let's say late 70s that was fun wasn't it glad we did that uh, just wanted to get some European flavour into the podcast and, and if you thought that was all the fun oh they're running out of content oh, Football Clichés podcast running out of steam this week is it no we're not actually because thanks to Stephen McClay who alerted me to the fact that the 2021 Meat Management Industry Awards were hosted last week by Kevin Keegan <laughs> that alone is that alone is great those that collection of words alone are great but there's more to preview the event Charlie, they had a little interview with Kevin Keegan on uh, on meatmanagement.com. And uh, they, they said they were proud for him to host the awards. And they spoke to him about mastering the barbecue and the psychology of taking first place. Sounds interesting. Um, I'm not going to go through this in great detail. I'm just simply going to give you the questions that they asked him. First of all, Kevin, what attracted you to hosting the Meat Management Industry Awards? <laughs> What an opening gambit. <laughs> Sensational. Um, what did he say? Awards nights are such good fun because people are being selected and rewarded for what they've done that year. He's basically, that's the Wikipedia page that's, for awards nights. Yeah, that's, that's fairly vague in general, Kevin. So good warm up. Nick, this was the second question. <laughs> What's your view of the UK meat industry's performance during the pandemic? <laughs> 
It's coped very well with it. <laughs> you keep hearing that there are going to be problems of reading things in the papers, that some supplies are going to be affected. But it seems the meat industry always survives. And sometimes you wonder how. <laughs> it keeps reinventing itself. <laughs> We're living in times when people are looking at meat and diet and every industry is under scrutiny. But from what I gather, the meat industry has coped with the pandemic very well and seems to be coming out the other side even stronger. What an answer! What an, not phoning it in at all properly cares about... It, is that why he was doing it? I mean, does he... He seems like he does care. Ah. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> Tell us about your favourite cut of meat. <laughs> I'm a steak man. <laughs> and I like to barbecue. If anyone has supported the meat industry this year, it's been my family. <laughs> With the good weather, we had a run of about five barbecues in six days. <laughs> <laughs> I would say that steak is my favourite, but I like a lamb chop and a sausage on the barbecue. My God, they hired the best man. I thought, I genuinely thought he would half-ass this, Charlie, and he hasn't. <laughs> Five and six days is so good. What a run! <laughs> I want to know on which day that run ended and with what. Like, guys, it's, this is too much, isn't it? We can't have a barbecue again. <laughs> One sweet corn on the barbecue, yeah. that's it. But uh, the, 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 there's something so joyous about this... Because he, he could have easily said five in a week there, but no, mm. he said mm. five in six yeah, yeah. That's a goal scorer's logic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Absolutely right. Okay, moving on, because I'm, I'm not letting this one slide. We're about one and two for the year, uh, barbecue-wise. <laughs> good, good, good record at domestic level. Um, Charlie, I'll, I'll invite you to guess some of the elements of his answer to this one. Have okay, footballers' yeah. diets changed much since your playing days? Tell us about the things he's likely to have said in response. Well, in my day, we'd have had a fry-up straight after a game and beers on the coach. Well, yeah, you're reasonably right. He said um, back in the late 60s, early 70s, we used to have a steak before the match and sometimes chips. It suddenly changed in the <laughs> 1970s as more foreign players came over. The pre-match meals had less meat before a game. Of course, I played in Germany and they were the same. You wouldn't eat meat directly before the match, except maybe a little chicken. It's more about pastas and foods like that before the game now. Ah, good to see chicken and pastas. Pasta in there, Nick. Pastas. Pastas. Plural. Yeah, your pastas. Of That's fine. You can pluralise pastas. That's okay. Yeah. Um, your fazilis. <laughs> your penes. So glad that me and Charlie went for the same pasta there. Um, that is <laughs> synergy if ever I saw it. What advice would you give those who don't win first prize in football or in life? Oh. 95, 96 mm. or over Yeah, it's quite, yeah. quite a poignant question for a man with a reputation as being a not quite the hair manager. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Brief football anecdote and then just saying sometimes it's about very small margins, but at least you know if you can get that close, you are good enough. Quite right. So yeah, the whole thing just absolutely sensational. And uh, by all accounts, a lovely evening was had by all. Um, That's really nice because that first answer does suggest he really is just bullshitting and doesn't have a clue. And then he comes storming in with all that other stuff. I was in absolute tears reading that earlier and uh, and was so again reading it out. Uh, sensational end, or not quite end, the Football Clichés podcast. Because Charlie, in celebration of your return... To the Football Clichés podcast, I invite you to give me a number for the Premier oh, I was hoping, I was hoping we'd do this. playlist. Bingo. You know the drill. I want a number between 1 and 1,379, and uh, we will briefly talk about its potential significance in Premier League history. 389. Well, you're going early. Of course. Uh, Nick was in the hundreds before, which is just silly. Well, I was... 389. Summertime by the Sundays. Nice. I don't know it myself. Oh, you, you, know, you know this song. I'm sure you know this. When you play it, you'll know this song. Oh, 
Can't imagine what Premier League vibe this would be. Okay, things are picking up. Start of the season, but, perhaps. Yeah, it's, it was. It, I mean, it's called summertime, so I think you know, yeah. start of the season. But there was a sense of renewal at Leicester. Oh, Welcome very good, new boys, Barnsley. To oh, Bilbo you're Street. too good at this. And then, yeah, I think a kind of Steve Guppy at three. <laughs> no, I, I, th- I think this is so leisurely. I would say there's no football action. This is all new signings. And oh, you think it's one of those, and they're holding up the scarves and yeah. stuff. I and think Liverpool unveiled three yeah. new signings at Anfield as uh, Gerard Houllier's. It was a busy of... summer on Merseyside as Everton <laughs> welcomed. Uh, how can I out Premier League years, Charlie Ocasio? It can't be done. <laughs> it might be a montage of people kind of um, going to the game, you know, yeah. mugging for the camera as they yeah. walk through the yeah. car park. Or I something. think we're going to win. I think it's going to be five uh, <laughs> nil. Yeah, can't wait for it to be honest. I'm really looking forward to it. Like zooming, zooming in really dramatically on someone who's got the new signings name on their back of their yeah. shirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the optimism wouldn't last as Andy Cole. <laughs> Sensational, fantastic stuff. Um, uh, as I said, we are very much nearly at the end of this podcast, but uh, not quite. Uh, th- thanks very much to you, Nick, for joining us this week. Thank you. And Charlie, I would again, I would have warm words to, to mark the end of your <laughs> reappearance on Football Clichés podcast. But again, I will leave it to Peter Drury. See you next time, everyone. Close your eyes. And he never went away. The Athletic.